It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Q's podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a huge shot for Tyler Ennis and the start of the lacrosse season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick Schulte, and our guest today is Syracuse lacrosse attackman Kevin Rice. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, of course. It's good to be here. Kevin, eight assists in the home opener over Siena, one short of a school record. What is it like for someone having a game like that where you're just totally in the zone and seeing everything in slow motion? Uh, it was nice, you know, especially uh, being the first game of the season. It's always nice, uh, you know, for individually and as, a, as an offense uh, to get going on the right foot. Um, you know, I think it was a total team offensive performance. You know, I think we had 12 different goal scorers. Um, so I think, you know, we were doing a good job. Of course, one of those 12 people, Dylan Donahue, I mean, he was just, he, he, he was, I guess, you two were like tag team partners. You had eight assists. He had eight goals. I mean, not all of your assists were to him, but it, it was just like you guys were hooking up, and he was just a scoring machine. Yeah, I mean, Dylan's probably one of the best softball players in the country, so you know, for a guy like me who likes to run around behind the goal and you know, feed for other people, he's, he's a great person to work with. Uh, you know, we're good friends and play a lot together this summer, so I think we have a pretty good connection out there. Is this a sign of things to come? I know that Everyone knows that uh, Syracuse lacrosse is going to have a great offensive season. Do you do you see this offensive output happening on more than one occasion this year? Um, you know, the, the great thing about our offense is our depth right now. So, you know, it doesn't need to be Dylan and I, you know, scoring eight points apiece, you know, every game for us to be successful. We have weapons at every spot, and, you know, I think we put in good team efforts. So, you know, on a given day, it can be somebody else stepping up. Now, one of the biggest question marks heading into this year, you know, you guys struggled in the, the face-off category last year, but you guys did a great job, um, you know, especially Chris Daddio. I mean, he just seemed, he seemed in the zone. You guys were able to win most of those face-offs, and obviously that, that proved good for you guys, especially on the attacking end. Yeah, I you know, it was really nice uh, for Chris to get off to a good start like that. You know, I know he took a lot of flack and criticism after the way things ended for us last year, and, now, I saw how hard he worked this summer and in the off season to, to get back and to get really after it this year. So for him to start off on the right foot like that is a great thing for, for him personally and for our team moving forward. Now, it's kind of hard to nitpick after a big win like that, but what is Coach Desco saying to you guys after that win? What specific areas did he point out that you guys have to improve on? Um, I think we turned the ball over a few too many times, um, a bit more than we, we needed to last game. And, you know, coming up against a team like Albany with such a high-powered offense, you know, we really need to limit our turnovers because they're so good in transition and unsettled situations. So I think that's really one area where we want to, you know, get better. And, you know, that's probably a little bit to do with the early season, but it's definitely something we can focus on. I'm sure you're going to get this a lot through the year, um, but you guys are – this is your first season in the ACC – and, you know, this is a great conference, obviously. You have so many great teams, and then you're adding um, other out-of-non-conference teams. But specifically in the ACC, who are you looking forward to playing most? Is it Duke? Um, I'm, we're definitely looking forward to, to playing Duke. You know, we have some unsettled business with them. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing North Carolina. That used to be a great rivalry with Syracuse and North Carolina lacrosse, but they haven't played in a while. You know, there were old national championship games between the two schools, so I think that'll be fun to get that going again. Do you miss any elements of playing um, in the old Big East, or is it is it 
is that out of your mind? The past is in the past, and now we're looking forward to the, the present. Um, of course, you're going to miss, you know, some of the traditional rivalries. You know, like playing like Georgetown every year and schools like that. Uh, you're definitely going to miss those matchups, but it's exciting moving into the best conference in lacrosse. And you know, every team right now is ranked in the top ten, so the competition is as good as it's going to get. Kevin, we got some quick hit questions for you, kind of, you know, half serious questions, uh, and I, I'm sure people are interested to see how you answer. So, first quick hitter, um, if you had to put together a highlight reel, what song would it be set to? Uh, probably Can't Hold Us by Macklemore. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite movie? Oh, uh, Miracle, probably. Uh, about the, the U.S. hockey team? Uh, yeah, the U.S. hockey team one. All right, cool. Uh, favorite place to eat on campus, Varsity or Cosmos? Oh, Varsity, definitely. Uh, are you a bigger fan of Twitter or Facebook? Uh, probably Facebook. I'm not a big, not a big tweeter. Hunger Games or video games? Hunger Games, definitely. <laughs> Read all the books three times. <laughs> uh, most embarrassing song on your iPod? Oh, man. Uh, These are the hard-hitting questions, Kevin. <laughs> Probably, you know, something Avril Lavigne. You could probably take your pick off of those. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on today. Again, attack man and assist man extraordinaire, Kevin Rice. Kevin, good luck the rest of the season. We'll speak with you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to Kevin. I think the lacrosse team is going to have a huge season this year, as they always do. Uh, but I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Steck-Schulte. Jim, how are you today? Everything's good, Wes. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I think everyone in Syracuse is still on a high right now because the obvious topic today is Tyler Ennis. He hits a buzzer beater to lift Syracuse to a 58-56 win over Pitt last night and moves Syracuse to an amazing 24-0 on the season. I, I just, I mean, what can you say about Tyler Ennis at this point? Just great, great job by him, great win. What can you say about Tyler Ennis? Nothing, or at least no superlative that hasn't already been said. Uh, I, I do want to. I do have one nitpick, though. The uh, the stat that ESPN was throwing around about how uh, he has no turnovers in in the last five minutes of any game or overtime, where it's a one possession game. I think we found out Tyler's human. He had a turnover last night in the final five minutes. Unacceptable. It was up four at the time. It doesn't count apparently. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, he's amazing. Obviously, the end game stuff with the free throws and you know the three pointer, you know, it's been dissected already, and it's less than 24 hours ago. But to me, you know, I was also impressed of when, when Syracuse fell behind by the largest margin last night, uh, about five minutes in the second half, when Pitt jumped out to that nine-point lead, I, I wrote in my notes following the game that it was over. And then I, I didn't think they'd come back, but then after a Cooney three, and it's got a layup and then set up uh, fair for a layup. And next thing you know, they're back within two, and then there's still 13 minutes to go, and, and eventually they got there. Well, I'm glad you brought up C.J. Fair because without C.J. Fair, Tyler Ennis never has a chance to hit that shot. Down six. 142 left. C.J. Fair hits that three and then that mid-range jumper, and all of a sudden, Syracuse is back to a one-point game. I didn't think he played particularly well last night, and I don't think anyone would disagree with me, but he played well when he needed to, as does the Syracuse team, and I think the senior leader stepped up when he needed to. Yeah, performing in the, uh, in the clutch kind of wipes away all the, uh, all the bad stuff that can precede it, uh, and, and obviously in Fair's case, bad is a relative term. <laughs> um, but my favorite part about the whole thing was when they came, when it came down to the final two minutes, when they were looking for to fair to score, they set them up in plays they've been running all season. It's not like they did unusual stuff. It's things that it has to be in the scouting report on Syracuse. This is, this is, this, these are things that fair does. 
three-pointer. They ran him off the screen baseline going left. It wasn't there. He immediately just turned around and ran baseline back to the right on another screen, got to the corner, got the pass, squared up, went right up sure, and just in regular motion drained it. The next possession, you know, they gave him that pass over on the left side. He whipped that quick crossover to the left for the 15-foot baseline jumper. I mean, that's, we've seen him make that shot thousands of times in games, so you have to assume it's a shot he's made millions of times in practice. It's just... They just gave him the ball and what he in places he's where he's supposed to score, and he did. Actually, I've been talking to Andrew Cowie about a lot about that play. Basically, Bayheim calls that play 54 because they run a double screen for the guy they want either on either side, either for Cooney or for Fair, and he runs a double screen and gets open on either baseline. And he's just been so money in that situation. And you know, C.J. Fair deserves the credit, and we've obviously talked about Tyler Ennis. There's so many superlatives, and they've all been used on him. But how about Silent G, Michael Benajay? He had seven first-half points, aggressive, hit a three. If Benajay doesn't have the first half that he does, I don't even know if Syracuse can claw back in the game because they've dug themselves such a big hole. He was key, too. Yeah, I mean, he came in less than four minutes into the game, and he played, he played the rest of the half without going down. And part of that is because he will back, he will back up a uh, – both Ennis and Cooney in the backcourt, and we'll play the three if uh, Beheim won the rest one of the bigs. You know, that versatility gives him that option. And it was pointed out last night in the telecast, he was the only player from Syracuse to make a field goal in a span of, of almost 12 minutes of the game last night. I mean, he had, uh, in that span, Syracuse had 11 points of the team, and Benajay had seven of them, you know, including a, a three that he made and a couple aggressive moves to the bucket where he got fouled and went to the, went to the stripe, knocked down all four free throws. I mean, those, and that's just the statistical stuff that helped kept, keep them afloat, much less just things like solid D and fighting for rebounds and carrying that aggressive nature over that he showed on those drives to the bucket. Now, one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Benajay had to play so much is because Syracuse only played six players last night. Biden Nusikeda hurts his knee. Actually, you were at that game when he hurt his knee. And Syracuse got pretty badly hammered in the rebounding category. Do you think... That's going to be cause for concern in the games. Keita's probably not going to be available for the next couple of games. Do you see that tripping them up at all? I don't see it as a big issue just based on only, um, you know, if we're going to use what we saw last night as a reason to have concern about Keita's absence affecting the rebounding, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, last night, Pitt out-rebounded the Orange 35-24 to last night and had 16 offensive boards. And last month when Pitt was in Syracuse, the right rebounding margin in that game, Pitt led it 35 to 24, and also had 16 offensive <laughs> boards. I mean, it's it's a you know it's, you could write it off as as a statistical fluke, but I think you know trying to trying to get some deeper lesson out of the rebounding based on last night's game is a fool's errand. I mean, in Keto in that first game against Pitt at the Dome, he played 11 minutes and had three rebounds. I mean, against the Panthers, it's more of a team-wide thing. In the two games, no one from Syracuse grabbed more than five rebounds in either game. So it's not like it's Akita or Bust kind of thing and rebounding against Pitt. It's kind of a team-wide epidemic. Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Uh, it seems kind of crazy to say it since he's a Hall of Famer in the face of the program, but it seems like head coach Jim Beheim's a bit of an afterthought this year with the Syracuse Orange. I mean, it's understandable because there have been four different players who have had you know highlight moments throughout the season, whether it's Ennis last night or Fair's huge game against Duke. Cooney's nine three-pointers against Notre Dame or Jeremy Grant seeming to be a, a nightly highlight machine. But, uh, you know, there's a reason why it's, they're 24-0 as a team, and it's the man on the bench. I mean, he's not going anywhere for a while, We should, and we should remember that, but let's be sure to let him know we appreciate him, especially since this season is going so well. 
Jim Beheim underappreciated in Syracuse. You never really think of such a notion, but that's a good point, Jim. Uh, for my closing thoughts, I'm going to stick with the game from last night. Uh, we've already talked about it. Tyler Ennis hitting that 30-footer, rushing down the court, swarmed by his teammates. But if you watch the ESPN feed, you'll see that Pitt students are actually seen cursing at him and giving him the finger to all those quote-unquote fans. I just have this to say. Show a little class. And this is an equal opportunity closing thought because if Syracuse fans did the same thing, I would be saying the exact same thing as well. That's it for us for Jim Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the easiest time to add insult to injury is when you're signing someone's cast. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.